Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's mentally yours. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette and today I'm chatting to entertainment journalist Emma Flint. As it's Halloween, we're going to be discussing the depiction of mental illness in horror films. I'm a freelance journalist. I um, particularly focus on entertainment, so gaming, film and television. And the reason mental health um, depictions are so important to me is not just because mental health is stigmatized in general but because I I, I have a, a mental illness so I have borderline personality disorder so I'm I hate saying this but I'm really used to seeing very negative depictions of mental illness um in film and television but particularly in horror it seems to be like um a very popular trope in the genre um and it's been that way for years. So, yeah, that's really why I'm so passionate about it, because it, it it lands a little bit close to home and it gives people the wrong impression of mental health. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's like a sinking feeling, isn't it? Sort of because I've got bipolar disorder as well. And you sort of go to the cinema, you go to a film that you think you know, has had really good reviews, you're really looking forward to it. And then there's just casually a character. Um, and I think the worst thing for me is when they... Um, they attribute actions just to the fact that they have a mental illness. That seems to happen a lot. So that's, you know, so the basically saying that someone has been violent and that's because they've got bipolar disorder or, you know, so that's literally the only excuse they'll give, which is quite frustrating. I did a sort of a little bit of sort of research into this before our chat and um, 
yeah, obviously people with mental illness can sometimes be violent. We're not sort of being really naive about it and saying they never are. But I had a look at the stats and, um, yeah, I was looking at a period between 2004 and 2014, so in 10 years, there were 6,241 homicide convictions. Of those, 662 were people with mental health problems. So that's 5,579 homicides by people without. And yet we still have this very kind of direct link, not just in films, but, you know, I think in the media as well, when something happens, when a sort of violent act is committed, a lot of people immediately think they must have had a mental illness, when actually we can see from those statistics that actually it's much more likely to be a, air quotes, normal person being violent. That is the problem as well. A lot of people aren't looking at statistics. They're not doing research into how common it really is. They're just kind of taking pop culture at face value and um, believing it almost as fact or vaguely related um, to fact, uh, which is just as dangerous, um, if not more so. So it is really problematic. And you're right, it is a very sinking feeling to sit in a film and all the problematic tropes uh, like you know and traits become associated with their mental health and that's the sole reason of it not anything else um and 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 it does it kind of permeates through to every bit of society and even when you meet new people and you say that you've got mental illness like bipolar or bpd or schizophrenia people have a an immediate reaction based on a kind of what they've digested through pop culture uh, particularly film and television uh, it's it's such um it's such a problem that weirdly still hasn't really been addressed it, it's just kind of almost allowed to keep happening because it's it's seen as entertainment at the end of the day and that kind of overrides the kind of impact it actually has yeah definitely and I've noticed there's a view that people are kind of a lot of people assume that all oh, things are much better now because there's more conversation in general around mental health they assume that actually things are much better in film. I've noticed that actually I think TV is, has done a lot better. I could reel off some really good depictions in TV of characters with mental health issues, but the film seems to be um, a bit behind. Um, anyway, let's get right into this. I've, I've been really looking forward to this chat because, you know, we both love horror films, um, but we both live with long-term mental health issues. So should we start off by talking about the violent mad person trope? Um, who comes to mind when I sort of say that for you in terms of the horror films? Um, it would definitely be uh, Michael Myers' um, Halloween franchise. Um, I, I'm a big fan of classic horror, and I and I do love the Halloween uh, franchise, even though uh, the the newer films have definitely taken a turn for the worst, in my opinion. But that they are heavily based on this idea that somebody is born evil, born bad, they're wired up wrong, something is mentally not normal with them and that has led to them killing people and killing people without any real rhyme or reason. Um, so, yeah, I think for a lot of people they would say uh, Mike Myers um, or, or Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th as well. They're the two staple ones that spring out. Michael Myers is a great one to start with for me because like you, I mean, I really enjoy the first film. I think it's really well made. I think it's an enjoyable watch. You know, it's got a really good pace to it. And also, I mean, but but I do also sort of watching it thinking, all right, so 
that guy that guy's gone to um i mean i'm not going to sort of in this episode call it mental health institutes because in these films they are basically madhouses or asylums aren't they so he's been locked up in an asylum then he escapes goes on a rampage and then you have this psychiatrist chasing after him which i find slightly comical but um yeah i've got a quote for that from that psychiatrist which i thought was quite interesting I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I thought that's pretty funny because that means he gave up on a boy of 14 because um, he went away to this asylum when he was a kid. And at the end, he gets called a boogeyman. And obviously he's become a real boogeyman figure, kind of almost superhuman um, in the same way that Jason Voorhees has. <clears throat> so, I guess it totally sort of dehumanizes um, people with mental health issues in a way, but it's, um, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because on the one hand, some of these films are very enjoyable, but on the other hand, it's making that very direct, direct link between a mentally ill person being violent, literally going around with a knife or whatever, you know, killing people. Yeah. And obviously with Halloween as well, it's been such a long franchise so yes the first one um does very much draw on mental illness though for some people they might overlook it if it if it's not um something they've personally experienced and just kind of breeze over it because it, it's not as hammered home I think as much until you start to get into the later films and also the reboots that they do I mean there's so many Halloween films now that have tried different takes on Mike Myers and if he was abused as a kid and the whole nature nurture argument. So it starts to become even more heavily embroiled with mental health. Um, so it is difficult because I, I love the films, even the really bad ones. There's something that I think is a horror fan that you're kind of drawn to, but it is incredibly problematic um, bec- because that, that, that is the go-to. That is what everybody thinks about. If, if you're crazy, if you've got mental health, you, do you know what I mean? And it, it it's such a difficult one. I, I kind of dislike the fact that I'm entertained by it. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I couldn't imagine uh, not being a fan of the series. It, it, it's 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 such a catch-22, I think, when you live with mental health and you also love horror because mental illness depiction in horror is inescapable. It, it's, it's almost like the main staple of nearly every narrative or plot in it at some point whether it's um the main focus of the narrative or just suddenly uh weaved in it, it yeah it's it's very tricky yeah and also the depiction of mental health institutes or insane insane asylums as they're usually kind of called I, I think they're kind of called asylums to be more shocking I mean and I totally agree with you about that sort of feeling that you know you can enjoy a film but also be like oh for, for god's sake I mean I really enjoy the film The Craft I don't know if you remember it but um at the end of that, there's this really kind of horrific kind of picture of the girl, I think, in a straight jacket, straight jacket in, a, in a padded room. Um, I think that was like a 90s film, possibly early noughties. Um, and I can't think of a huge number of um, films that have depe- depicted mental health sort of facilities <clears throat> in a positive light or kind of a vaguely normal light. Again, I think it's more TV that's doing that. I remember in Ozark, there's one. And it's sort of more like a kind of, the one that I went to was more like a shit youth club, I always describe it. And that's what it sort of looks like in Ozark. Um, although actually the the ending for that particular character who has bipolar disorder is 
also pretty fucking bleak. Should we talk a bit? <laughs> should we talk a bit more about um, like the horror films and characters that you think are kind of the worst in terms of perpetuating negative stereotypes? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's quite difficult because there's so um, many you can draw upon. Um, I don't know which one I would say I think is the worst. Um, I just. I think there's a lot of them, so they kind of all snowball into each other. Um, even like newer films like Hereditary, I really liked that, and it's um, is a very chilling horror. But again, it, it, it's it's a lot about mental illness being this negative thing and how it impacts a family for generations, and how ultimately that dooms them. Um, and yes, I know you've got the super uh, supernatural element. Sorry, that come into that. That I guess try and soften the blow of the mental illness angle, but essentially, that is a very negative depiction. And you've got the fact that it plays on this idea of the hysterical woman, uh, which is another big mental illness horror um, trope and generic convention that gets used time and time again. Women's mental health is is picked apart in a way that I don't feel like male uh, mental health is in horror films. So I wouldn't say a film like Hereditary is the worst depiction. And with Hereditary, there is something quite organic and raw about how mental illness is shown, um, that I guess if you're somebody with mental illness or mental health issues, you can relate to, you know, it, it's difficult, it's traumatic, it, it impacts a lot of people. But at the same time with hereditary, it, it feeds into this idea that you're basically screwed and it's not only going to affect you, it's going to affect your family. Like it's inescapable. It's kind of sealed into your DNA. It's it's a, a hereditary um, problem. So I think that's what I think of in terms of more recent horror. I really love Hereditary. And, you know, what I really love about um, certain horror films like that is that they are ambiguous. Um, So I think your kind of critique of it is really interesting because I watched that and for me it was all about the religious side of it or sort of satanic side of it. So I watched it and completely bought into that side of it. and I just thought, it, I really, in, so there's a couple of sort of films that I'll watch and I'll sort of watch them and I think, oh, that's brilliant. I want to go and talk to someone about it. And I'll be thinking about it all next day. With that one, I then watched it the next day again because I had so much to think about. And I mean, yeah, I really like the ones that have kind of multiple, um, potentially multiple meanings. Like it's interesting, isn't it? Like with the horror canon, you've got like monsters and you've got ghosts and all that sort of stuff. And they're very, they can be very scary, but a lot of the time they're very sort of straightforward or obvious about what's going on. Um, whereas, yeah, I think with one like Hereditary, I really enjoyed it. But then, as you as you said, I mean, there was an element, I think one in particular was, I think the brother lived with schizophrenia. And I think one of the lines is that he was accusing his mother of trying to put people in him, which is, you know, initially you, th- you think, all right, so he's, you know, suffering from delusions but then if you read it the other way in terms of what happens you think oh he was right all along so um yeah it's really it's really interesting some of the modern ones as well um another one I really loved recently but also 
is slightly problematic for me um is saint maud have you seen that one yes i have it's been a while since i've seen it though i think i saw it the year it was released and then i haven't really returned to it since so you might have to uh uh prod me a little bit on some of the plot details but i yeah i have seen it so with that one essentially um it's a young woman who's a palliative care nurse and she goes to work with a dancer who's dying of cancer and she's very religious and she believes that she can hear the the voice of god um and from one reading of that film, she then spirals into very severe delusions. This whole podcast, by the way, is going to be full of spoiler alerts. So I'm just going <laughs> to I'm just going to go for it. So these delusions then spiral to the point where she then literally um, kills the woman that she's meant to be looking after, um, and then sets herself on fire on the beach. So one reading of that is here's a young woman who's suffering from delusions. And I watched that and I was just, again, it was like with Hereditary, I watched it and I thought, this is brilliant. And I thought about it loads and I wanted to watch it again because there's so many readings in that. In terms of the sort of it being a really interesting depiction of somebody struggling with delusions, because I've suffered them my, myself, um, I thought that was very good. If a bit, well, <laughs> I was going to say if a bit bleak, but if extremely bleak, <laughs> um, it's very bleak. But what I also enjoyed about it was the fact that um, I also have two other readings of it, which are the fact that actually um, the voice of God was, was talking to her. And then the very end scene when she's on fire is not the fact that she literally is on fire. It's the fact that she's gone to hell because she's murdered somebody and she hasn't managed to save the dancer's soul, which is what God wanted her to do. So um, and and then my third reading of it is that actually is the voice of the devil telling her what to do. So, yeah, it's very... I love the way that horror can be so open-ended like that. You know, you don't have to have one interpretation. But my problem with it is, if we're just reading it as a young woman with delusions, it's another, it's basically just another example of woman goes mad and is violent. Are there any other films you'd like to sort of discuss that we haven't mentioned so far? Um, one that I kind of really find interesting is Midsummer. I watched that with some friends and a thing that really got to me was that at the very start, the main character's sister kills herself and her parents. Um, and the explanation for that is simply she's got bipolar disorder. So that's it. That's, that's the explanation. Um, and I was sat there with friends and my heart just absolutely sank. And I don't, I don't think they realized how sad that made me. <laughs> But then the rest of the film was really interesting in terms of um, the depiction of someone with anxiety, wasn't it? And how like communal living or sort of, you know, reaching out to people can help with that. Although obviously not not reaching out in the way that happens in the film. Yeah, but it, but it's interesting you say that because the way um, these two women are depicted, these two sisters are, are so different and contrast so much. You know, you've got one that's seen as such a burden and has caused so much stress because of her mental illness you know and then has killed the family and then you've got a more I wouldn't say positive but like you said that that coming together reaching out finding a way to address her anxiety in a way that ultimately makes her feel more empowered I mean yes she is you know her her boyfriend set on fire at the end in a bear suit which might empower a lot of people you know anyway but but it is very interesting how the two kind of 
part ways, um, which I kind of struggle with because I, I really like the film. It's one of those that you can't help but sit and think about it. And for me, I think I did with Midsummer more than Hereditary. Um, but but it's so weird how those two mental illness depictions are so different. And yet in the same film, it's like one is very almost ignorant to the message it's showing. And then the other depiction has thought about it so much. It's integral to the entire plot. Um so yeah, it, it that one kind of divides me. I I, I love the film, and um, like you said with uh, Hereditary, it's very ambiguous. So you can take multiple readings from it, and it can mean different things to different people. But that opening with her sister is just—it is gutting. I mean, I I don't live with bipolar, but having been somebody that um, BPD is very stigmatized and demon demonized by people, and still very misunderstood. And also having had suicidal tendencies, it, it, it was, it was soul destroying to watch that because it's like, okay, so not only are you depicting us as people that will harm ourselves, we're also going to kill the people that we love because of our mental illness. Um, so yeah, and I, and I understand why that scene um, is such a provocative opening scene. It grabs your attention. It's very jarring, which, you know, horror is meant to be horrific. But I still think there's some things that shouldn't quite be so readily on the table <laughs> with horror. Um, going off on a bit of a tangent, and I can't think of a specific example of it, but suicide in horror in general, I sometimes think shouldn't necessarily be touched, which I know a lot of horror fans will disagree with me, but it's the way it's drawn upon and used it feels far too easy to say, well, it's okay for us to use it because it's horrible. It's a horrific thing. And it's like, yes, but I feel like you're kind of doing the bare minimum to hit that horror mark and that horror genre, if that's the best that you can do. Um, but maybe that's just me and a lot of horror fans that listen to this might uh, want to come at me with pitchforks and torches. Um, but I do feel very strongly about suicide depictions in horror films before um this chat fairly recently i watched the orphan and part of that is very minor but during that the um the mother when she sort of realizes there's something going on with the girl puts into the google search borderline personality disorder i noticed oh my goodness yes but it's a bit of a random sort of thing to just put out there when she's you know it's it yeah it seemed like a bit of an odd thing to put in there rather than you know trying to find where she's come from and or anything like that. That's that's the search term that she goes for. God, I, I'd actually forgotten about that because orphan is is another um, interesting one for mental illness, particularly in from the point of view that obviously she's a girl, but actually she's a grown woman, and and that kind of whole element to it. So you can definitely look into like the way uh, women are portrayed and then their mental illness as well. But I'd completely forgotten about that. Which now you say it, it is quite random because I know the they have no idea what's going on uh, and the mum's obviously in a panic but at the same time it's like where have you plucked that out of them so so yeah I'd, I'd really forgotten about that and in the context of the film even more so that's very random. Also the really odd thing about that is um, I went down a bit of a hole with that film because I enjoyed watching it but also you know I was just like oh right great so it's another escaped mental patient thing um, but also um, 
it's based on a true story apparently but the thing is the true story that it's based on has nothing to do with her um escaping a mental health asylum a, a mental health unit or anything um so yeah that kind of blew my mind that it's based on a true story but yeah so th the fact that they sort of included the asylum elements and bpd was kind of unnecessary because in real life apparently she was on the run from the law rather than psychiatrists or whatever which would be a um entertaining enough i don't know if that's the right word but would be entertaining enough for, for audiences why add the why add the mental illness into it and like obviously uh people think that's even more sensational uh than than running from the law um which i do think this is probably me being a, a history geek but i do think that harks back to like 18th and 19th century you know where people would visit asylums as a form of entertainment so we've always kind of in a very twisted way been entertained by watching people who aren't the societal norm and I don't know whether it, that's just something that's built into us that we enjoy in a perverse way watching people who aren't quite like us um but yeah th that story going back to the orphan would have been fascinating enough without adding in extra flavor um that's very odd I'm now going to go down that rabbit hole when I get off this <laughs> when I get off speaking from you and and, and delve into it <laughs> going on to a kind of more optimistic note now what are some good or more accurate depictions of mental illness that you've seen in cinema or tv I've brought I've widened it to tv because when I was thinking about this question I haven't thought of a huge amount in cinema, to be honest. So which which films or TV series do you think have done an OK job of showing people with um, mental health issues? Yeah, I must admit that that I find is quite um, a difficult one. Like you said, if you're just focusing on cinema uh, and if you were just focusing on horror again, I could not think of any, I don't think. Um, but for me, it was television and it was Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I know that title doesn't really sell it, but that to me was such a fantastic depiction of mental illness and and in a fairly positive way. There's like some bits where you're watching like, oh God, I can't believe she's doing that. But the end result was very positive and a lot of people um, who have BPD, which is uh, what the character finds out that she has in the end, have found it um, such a comforting watch and something that they that really resonates with them. So yeah, that Crazy Ex Girlfriend is the only one that springs to mind where I'm like, actually, overall, that that's quite a a, a good depiction. Anything else? Mm. A few that I like are Mad My Mad Fat Diary. Have you seen that one? It's um it's a bit old school now. It's still on four OD though. I think that's pretty good as a depiction of someone with binge eating disorder um, and Brassic, which is just a comedy thing on Sky still at the moment. Really funny, really good. But the main character just happens to live with bipolar disorder. So I love that because that's basically all I want from TV and films is characters who just happen to, to have mental health issues is not the plot. There are some episodes where kind of, you know, he is a bit depressed or, you know, he has, gone up a bit but um it's really really good in terms of films the only one that I could think of was the silver linings playbook and that's again bipolar disorder and depression and it's not perfect but it's still so different 
from um, other depictions um, of mental illness in films. Also, I really love melancholia, although that's just kind of a big sort of arty thing. But I, I think that represents depression really well. But it's very sort of, yeah, art house type thing. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, this is the thing. I don't think mental health representation or mental illness representation has to be uh, perfect or without any form of negativity because then it, it's it's inaccurate for a different reason. Um, I just wish it would be a bit more nuanced, like you say. It's fine if it's a bit more arty and there's, you know, more poignant kind of thing. It, that I'm okay with because in in stuff like Crazy Ex Girlfriend, although that's a comedy, that very much draws on the negativity on it of it, but the positivity as well, and also just the general everydayness that comes with having mental illness. And yes, because it's comedy, it takes it to the extreme, but that kind of thing I I welcome. So I don't have a problem with that. Melancholy is 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 not a problem for me. Um, because there's a rawness that resonates in a different way to how horror runs away with mental illness. Um, just trying to think if I've got any more e- examples. I mean, I've only just started watching it, but The Midnight Club on Netflix, now they are in a position where they've not... They're, they're there because, you know, they've got terminal um, illnesses like uh, cancer. So they've gone to this hospice to essentially die, which is which is a morbid thing anyway. So none of them are really saying that they're mentally ill. But I just think that portrayal and some of them have clearly got mental health issues, even if that's not their main diagnosis. But the way that's done, I feel, is, uh, is a lot more uh, positive and it isn't being used as... Um, a way to signify who's going to get the most uh, uh, jump scares or or horror from the series as a whole. But again, it's it's very minimal, which I think speaks volumes. If you know you've got two people who've watched very different things, but love horror, love film, love television, and can't really draw on that many examples when you think of how much um, content is created, that you sat there going, "Oh, I don't actually know." Um, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I could talk about this all day because <laughs> I really have enjoyed this chat. Um, but can we wrap up with me asking the classic question? I'm not going to do the voice, but um, what's your favourite scary movie? Oh, I kind of wish you had done a voice. I'm a bit disappointed. <laughs> but um, that's really hard. I, I, I struggle because I think I bandy about what my favorites are depending on my mood um oh I actually really love John Carpenter's The Fog um I I I grew up with a lot of classic horror and my mum loves horror films and that was one that we just always watched together and even now I think it's fantastic the Fog remake is appalling. Don't watch it. I, I, it just completely obliterates the story. But the actual, um, the original Fog from the 80s is just, I don't know. I just love it. There's something so good about it. So if people haven't watched it, they should watch it. <laughs> I think my favourite's The Wicker Man. But it's funny because just like you've said, the original, not the not the um, remake with Nicolas Cage, which is not good. <laughs> but the original is um, is pretty pretty good. Goodbye from mentally yours. 
chose from mentally, 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 mentally yours, mentally yours, mentally yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe to our channel and perhaps even go back and listen to some old episodes. We have many of them. Also, you can get in contact with us. We have a lovely Facebook group, which is called Mentally Yours. And we're also on Twitter at MentallyYRS. See you next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.